So hello, welcome back to another episode of Vague Voices. I'm joined today by a very special guest, Cassandra from KLG Jewellery. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, um, my name is Cassandra Lauren Gordon and that's what the KLG stands for. Um, I started doing jewellery about 10 years ago. I started doing a silversmithing course at college and then I trained in Hatton Gardens as a goldsmith. Um, I've been featured in Vogue, um, The Times, Financial Times and other um, press and influencers wear my stuff. I, yeah, and I've been in um, stockists um, in the UK and abroad. Last year, I felt very comfortable of talking about social issues, diversity and inclusion issues online. I do it in real life, but I felt more comfortable doing it online. I've done a lot of jewellery activism, supporting Black and first generational jewellers. So um, even though I say I'm a jeweller, I am a creative I am an artist. So that's just one medium I do. I also do um, poetry and book of word, theatre work, and I'm a visual artist. So doing things in film, I see myself as very conceptual and lots of storytelling. And the storytelling I like to do on this project is to archive and celebrate Black British women. Um, I feel that sometimes their stories are not always told or celebrated or seen in a particular positive light. So yeah, um, definitely um, interesting to talk about that and why it's so important to do that. Perfect, yeah, I think it's definitely an important issue to unpack, um, especially from someone who is obviously so passionate and does it on the daily. So yeah, I'm really excited to hear your views on it. So you briefly touched um, on your childhood and upbringing. What would you say that was like growing up in a Black British household? I think so. My parents are Jamaican. Um, so they came over here um, when they were like preteen. So my, obviously my grandparents are Jamaican uh, on both sides. I moved different places in the UK, so you can see that I've got a bit of a funny accent. So I was born in Stoke Trent, moved to Birmingham, moved to Coventry, moved to Liverpool, moved back to Coventry, moved to London, moved to Coventry, and now I'm in London. Um, I got my Jamaican citizenship about a couple of years ago after the Windrush scandal. When the UK government tried to deport a lot of the Rinrush generation, Rinrush people came from the 1950s onwards to Britain, from the Commonwealth, it's mainly from the Caribbean, to build this country um, because they couldn't find the paperwork which the Home Office destroyed or cannot find to no fault of, um, you know, the participants, um, you know, or the, the victims or, you know, and it's still going on, um, these, you know, these type of things so that is my kind of culture and my heritage and I'm trying to put that in my jewellery work so one of the jewellery pieces which I've been awarded um gold um, an award for recently um at the jewellery Oscars which is the um, the craft um craft and design council craftsmanship award um for one of my um, pieces celebration diversity and inclusion by putting corners and braids on a light bulb having that light bulb moment for change so that's where I am so I hope I round off my childhood and a whiz tour about how how I got here yeah no that's perfect I think it's always really good to just get a general understanding of um what really motivates you and I think it's quite clear that we can see that in your work and your jewelry which is always good um 
so yeah you briefly touched there on your cultural upbringing what would you say life was really like in a black british household um starting with you know maybe things that you feel aren't quite right things that you feel you've had to go through as a result of your heritage that maybe others haven't experienced it was hard so you know living in birmingham till primary age where like 50 percent of birmingham is like ethnic minorities and going straight to coventry in the 90s where everyone is white there's yeah. a large population of white people and asian people um which is fine um it was quite tricky i was like five black children was in the whole of like a school of a thousand so you know it was very very tricky um like going to school was a very traumatic experience if I was going to be honest with you people like want like would jump want to jump on me beat me up just because of the color of my, my my skin sometimes I couldn't even get on a bus that's how bad it was um because people just wouldn't let me get on a bus or my or even my family so it, it's it's been it's been tricky when growing up in Coventry and you know as a black woman in different spaces it's it's been really really tricky but some people go through hard things and you just learn to embrace your differences and embrace different different people and I try to keep a positive mind and, and you know see the good in people. I think that's a really important like lesson to carry through life um, and a really important story to tell like it feels really personal and um, I'm actually like a bit emotional about it um, but yeah I think um it's hard it's hard to hear those words um and hear the emotion in your voice and and to see where you come from um especially as as a young girl i i just really feel no one should ever feel like that um and it kind of puts a lot into perspective for me because you know i thought i had a tough time at school i went through some quite traumatic things um through junior and secondary school um, but to not even be able to travel to a place where you should feel safe, a place where you're there to learn and the fact that just because of something that makes you you, you couldn't have the same experience as everyone else and the fact that that could have massively disadvantaged you, you know, missing classes and not getting the same material that everyone else got to do their exams is like... Yeah, it, it was really tricky, but, you know, I had to go to school <laughs> and my mom wasn't going to let some you know racist people don't let me get education so you know I just kept my head down you know and tried to just get through it so yeah it's yeah you 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 learn from it, it you a lot of char character building it was it's not not easy but and you know it's not even from the the not to go on making a victim story but it wasn't even the the pupils it was some of the staff as well would you say that was their like traditional views like their upbringing and their do you think that's played a part in that the way they were brought up I don't know I think I mean at the time in uh, in the 90s in Coventry I I don't think people understood black uh, there weren't around a lot of black people now it's different the you know a lot of African people from Nigeria and Ghana uh, are in Coventry now so the population changed over the last 20 years um, and there's a lot of Eastern Euro European people um, in Coventry, so it's kind of changing. So people are more open a bit more, but not in the uh, not not in the nineties. They weren't as open. 
um but you know I feel like once I feel like you know I had to bend over backwards with teachers and some people to show that I'm not a bad black girl or I have an attitude um but I'm, as I learned, like, I think it really set me up for the world, how to deal with people in different um, spaces. So, yeah, you know, it wasn't great, but it just made me stronger, I guess. Yeah, and I think that's a really good way to think about it. Um, um, I suppose, in a way, feel more prepared for difficult people that you're going to encounter. And um, yeah. I think it speaks, obviously, so highly of you, the way you hold yourself and... And yeah, so thank you for sharing that. Um, on the other hand, so a theme kind of throughout your work and throughout this docu-series we're working on is finding gems of positivity, looking beneath the narrative, kind of creating a, a more wholesome experience. Are there any key memories from your childhood that you would say is really positive or that have had a nice impact on you? Um, sometimes my house was quite safe being with my mum cooking or she's she's to be fair she's cooking and rice and peas or you know that type of thing I I remember like smells and reggae in the background my mom's cleaning and stuff like that that makes me feel that's like a culture or a tradition it's like every Saturday reggae's turned on blast on a Sunday there's always gonna be rice and peas or something or chicken be made um, so I feel sometimes in, in the home of where black women sometimes nurtured their families, um, good memories, I guess. And, um, would you say you're part of quite a tight, close-knit family or was it like big get-togethers and everyone knew everyone and like a really wide family or? It's a bit weird, like what family means because I have me and my brother and my mom or my dad or my stepdad as well. But it's weird, like, if I go, like, that, when we stayed in Coventry, but if I go to Birmingham, which is about 20-odd miles away, I have all my extended family. So I always, even though I feel like there could be miles between us, people are like, oh, that's, Coventry's a different city, or even Stoke with Trent, that's a different city. I feel like this didn't, it didn't matter to me. I feel like everyone was quite close. So going to Birmingham, going to Stoke and Trent twice a week, or going to Birmingham twice a week or three times a week, being with family, even though there's a bit of distance, it doesn't really matter to me. So yeah, um, so in, in, in short, with family dynamics and relationships, we were spread apart across the UK, but we were close. And why do you think you felt like you maintained that closeness? I don't know. I just feel like sometimes with family, it's a sense of security. It's like a support system. Um, they don't see it as a barrier. They don't see, okay, driving on the m6 is a barrier and maybe also my dad is originally from birmingham when he came over from jamaica my mom is from stoke and trent so when they met they've always been going back and forth so i've just learned to just be in the mix and I, and that's i think that's one of the thing where i can get on with a lot lot of people because i'm so used to moving different places and changing um i just had to learn to adapt so yeah the adaptability do you feel like you change yourself based on the location you're in and the, the people you're around? Or would you say you've carried a lot of your you know, traditional Jamaican roots? Would you say that comes through to all the people you meet? It's always, an, it, to me, it's always something I have to consciously think about. Um, when, because I don't think I can fully embrace it all the time, depending on what space, if I'm at a workplace, 
with a certain group of people I've got to think like sometimes I feel like I have to hold myself small because I might infringe on whiteness or am I going to be othered or I am too visible so there's so much stuff going in my head so much different dialogue going through my head about how should I act what should I say I don't want to over offend people I don't want to make people feel like oh I'm taking over um but as I get older I'm trying to unlearn those things you know I've got to live my truth and be authentic but sometimes it works really well like I was really you know when I was campaigning and doing things for black jewelers and people of color in the jewelry industry in a very ancient trade it worked well but it's other parts of my life having this come on fairness justice it doesn't work well so I feel like being anti-racist as a practice no matter how hard it gets you just have to keep on going you're gonna have good days you're gonna have bad days but you know diversity and inclusion really means a lot to me so hence this project you know trying to archive kind of celebrated unheard voices unheard relationships because when think about black women especially on tv especially reality tv it's very chaotic and there's baby mother here baby mother there and I'm you know a lot of people who become baby mothers didn't choose to be baby mothers you know I mean didn't go like my life is going to be a baby mom you know people had expectations and things doesn't work out and a lot there's a lot of societies and lots of people who not in a two-person household but they're not as demonized you know and yeah I just wanted to do a docu-series that you know when black women are at home in a very nurturing and safe environment and just talk about those 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 stories what's been passed on to them I feel like in you know I come from the African diaspora via you know the Caribbean via colonialism via slavery and a lot of my I feel a lot of my culture a lot of my identity is lost so I'm on this journey continuing journey to find myself to find where it's home and sometimes when I feel I'm settled in the UK oh yeah you know I'm proud to British or I'm Afro-European and European EU and all that jazz I realize sometimes I'm not home just like when England um didn't win the Euros oh yeah I remember this is temporary I'm in temporary accommodation when I'm here that's a really really important conversation to have because home and identity is really what makes us it's Mm. what makes us feel safe it's what makes us have an idea of who we are and the choices we make and um I never thought about it like that which is why I think it's so important to have these open conversations and more importantly to create safe spaces where people can share their voice in a history where it's been dangerous to to speak your truth and and say how you feel Mm -hmm. hopefully some gems of positivity and some positive dialogue and it's not just docu-series is for it's not just for black women or black people I think anyone could watch it you because I feel sometimes when you talk to different people in different words workplace might a white person or a person who are not black might want to ask them something but they don't want to oh I don't want to be racist I don't want no one to bite, bite my head off and I always believe like if your intentions are clear and pure people won't get upset but if you act ignorant yeah. and don't work that's when people are going to get upset so, rightly so yeah it was really interesting when you said about kind of um containing yourself and your persona um it was just really interesting because I feel like from like I don't want to generalize here but um as as a white British person myself I do it is always in the back of my mind like am I going to overstep the mark am I going to accidentally be offensive um and I think you you do worry about those things, but to actually hear it from the other side um, kind of puts it into perspective. And it's like, what are you worrying about? Like you said, as long as you're you come from a good place, and then it's not an issue. You shouldn't feel like that. And it's a journey for me as well, you know, because 
I'm, I, you know, last year I'd be like, everyone should know, go on Google, but everyone's at different learning points. So it's for me as a black person, or just as a human being, just having compassion, man, we're all human beings. We all have different learning points. So I'm really trying to just see myself as just a human being, trying to make it in the world. Because everyone's got, everyone goes through things. COVID happened. I feel like I can't remember like all this horrible stuff that has been happening in the world, but intensifies, magnified over the last kind of 18 months, two years. Just got, we've just all got to be kinder to each other, no matter what. So that's me. <laughs> ties in to a floating rock mentality um i'm not sure if you heard of it it's basically just mm-hmm. the idea that we're all just humans on this big floating rock and that's that's it you know if you're having a bad day you put it into perspective um and just the idea that we are all the same we are still living breathing functioning humans and we should treat each other like that and i'm a strong believer in compassion like i'm a, I'm a huge empath myself um, and I think that's interesting as well, because I've always been told to stop being so sensitive and to focus on myself and to not let other people's feelings affect me. And um, I've always been described literally as a sponge because people say I just soak up the feelings of other people and I feel it really, really deeply. But uh, I actually think we need more people like that in the world to create these safe spaces and to really feel human connection. Absolutely. <laughs> I think me and you're on a similar path of like, I can feel things intensely, but yeah, it's just for me to figure out that balance of when to feel and when to switch off. And I think it's a, as I said, it's a constant negotiation. It's a sense sense checking myself and stuff like that. I also wanted to talk about my mom as well. Like, you know, how did I come about thinking about doing this docuseries project? Um, I wanted to be near my mom for quarantine, lockdown. I didn't want to leave her by herself. So I lived with my mom for a whole year. And it just brought a lot of memories about what, you know, people say, I'm never going to be like my mom. I can't believe they did that. And then you realise, I'm turning into my mom. <laughs> so how did she imprint a lot of things in me, what I do today, which I unconsciously don't realise I'm doing? And as a jeweller, I make um, engagement rings a lot. That's most of my bread and butter wedding rings. So I'm, pa- I'm making literally future heirlooms which people really prize and it will stand the test of time, right? So I was just thinking, my mom doesn't always say that she loves me and all that, she's a typical, you know, West Indian Jamaican woman, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, when I was nine years old, my mom gave me a piece of jewellery, gold jewellery, and I knew that meant love. I knew she thought about it. It was an act of service and kindness that she wanted me to take care of. So I've always seen jewellery as love and heirloom as love and stuff like that. So I'm just thinking now, like, what do other people pass on to their children, especially in the black community? What positive, what gems, passing the gems on to generations? And and I feel like if we don't archive it, it gets, it, it gets lost. I just, I just feel that's important just to really highlight black mums. I think we hear a lot about black men, but not about black mums, black daughters, indifferent in a very positive light and motherhood so when you think about mommy blogs you don't really think like a black black mom or you know daughter duo or grandma um i think there's a lot of stereotypes of black womanhood like the jezebel the over sexualized like the people in hip-hop they have got attitude the this the that the that but they don't see the nurturing side they don't see what a lot my mom had to go through to come to britain 
what she had to do and how she brought up like, like a single parent household you know what I mean how much strength it takes to do that so or what is the impact and also when passing gemstones or passing gems what was interesting I did some interviews with 10 black British women about what's been passed on to them like jewelry how they endure themselves certain sayings personal fi- things like personal finances their period like what are things they're going to pass on to future children and stuff and it was just interesting what people said what their mothers did not pass on to them what they get left unsaid some void so it's been good to explore that as well it was very painful for me to get my um jamaican citizenship I had to get it through my grandma and she died right and for some reason people don't have documentation people just it's really hard to get documentations of, of certain things or certain people i think it's just my my family to be honest and i had to go through hoops to get to prove my grandma did exist and to get my citizenship through my maternal grandma. Anyway, long story short, I had to go through oral, ask the person, ask this, ask this, ask this. So that's always oral tradition. Back in Africa, you know, or still in Africa, like you have elders or certain people you go to, like, do you know this? And they know generation worth of information about what's happening in their villages or their tribes. For me, that's lost. I don't know anything. I feel like when my grandma died, my maternal side of the family was lost. You lost that connection and that knowledge of all the history. And it's very hard to talk to my mum about, oh, how's Jamaica? stuff like that. She left when she was like, I don't know, young. So she doesn't have any information. So even though there's positive of learning traditions, there's a lot of peripheral pain displacement as well. So it's navigating through that as well. But it's just finding the light, isn't it? Recognising, you know, sometimes when you're, when you're little, you don't recognise how much your mum does for you. As an adult, you're like, oh, they did a lot. Cause I'm thinking like when my mom had me in her thirties, and I'm and I'm and I'm in my in my thirties. I'm like, how does a grown woman have? How, I don't even I don't know anything. I don't have any children. I'm like, how am I supposed to navigate and care for a human being, another life? It's a lot, right? So um, and you realize our parents are not perfect, and they're just human too. So I've done a lot of really thinking and healing about our expectations of parents or being parented so yeah it brings a lot Definitely. I think that's something I've been really looking to as well because um so I moved out um at 18 at the start of this pandemic and I went six months for the first time in my life without seeing my mum and um I had I was dealing with quite a lot as a teenager um I dealt with depression anxiety etc and I really closed myself off and so home to me was a place where it was it was almost like an investigation I felt very kind of claustrophobic through no fault of my parents um it was just you know being in the same space and a bad headspace and since I've come home um and like now when I go and visit my my parents obviously I'm, I'm still young I'm 20 um it what really stood out to me is it felt like a safe space I came home and I felt relaxed and I felt safe I think that's a real testament to my mum and other mums out there who have managed despite the circumstances to create that or for their children even if you don't realize it at the time when you're older and when you reflect just to have that feeling that you have somewhere to go to um, is a real testament to them I think yeah nothing can like put a price on your peace and feeling safe and being safe so once you have that you have really good foundations to deal with the world so it's good to hear that you know you know, you can go somewhere and feel like you belong and you've been looking, you've been looked after. And I think a lot of that was also through um, kind of learning and understanding myself, healing from childhood trauma and taking more responsibility 
um, and saying, you know, my mum did the best she could, but also I was in that situation. You know, I was there as well. I was contributing to the atmosphere in the household. And I think that's really helped. And also like coming to adult, um, I'm like, how, how did my mum do it? She worked a full-time job. So she had me very early um, and I was a premature baby and it was quite a traumatic birth for her. Um, and she suffered with a little bit of postnatal depression, et cetera. But she went and she did a full-time job. She cleaned, she cooked, she looked after me. She was like this big businesswoman. Um, she maintained family relationships. She made sure I had friends and set me up for life really. And I don't think I'll ever understand that until I have children, which is why it's so important to continue this narrative so we can yeah. understand. Yeah, I understand. And just and just to reflect, isn't it? And, you know, you know, give our moms or parents um, their kudos and and look how, and look what we want to change in our lives as well. Yeah, because I feel like it's often a very polished story that we see. It's always like oh mum father and daughter relationship like it's so happy and in reality we need we need to see more of that raw natural unpolished unfiltered day-to-day -day life because it does skew the minds of the people and the younger generations who then look at this these ideal relationships in tv programs in music in novels and they think there's something really wrong here why why am i not seeing this like why is what's going wrong and I think in reality, it's just that those stories most of the time are fake. So you can't ever live up to that. Yeah, pretenders. pretenders. Yeah, pretenders. We've got some uh, quite exciting developments from your brand. So in your own words, you've kind of briefly touched on this, but could you describe to the people out there what you really want to get across in this docu-series and the message behind it? So I really want to talk about heirlooms, you know, think about like, literally and figuratively you know people pass down things for generations when sometimes people have an engagement ring or an expensive piece of jewelry like oh I'm thinking about my daughter passing that on to them I want them to have a piece of me so thinking about what your parents what they instilled in you or what they gave you and how you are the person today and certain traits good or bad um, and what do you want to pass on maybe not to your parents to your friends what do you want future generations to so what is your legacy um we'll have to do a premiere of this docu-series or the first part of it um in october black history month even though i think it's every day is black history month um is black history month in the uk in the us is february and i love to like collaborate with um vague talent young talent you say you're a young young lady um as well i mean i just think it's just important um just to tell people's stories, to amplify people's stories. And I think after last year, after the Black Lives Matters movement, people could see how pe people's voices were, were not heard or people were not seen. People can see the, the injustices. So it's just, you know, making the world more better, more inclusive. So I'm very excited for this. And I feel it can touch a lot of hearts and minds. Yes, definitely. And um, you mentioned we've got a cracking team mm. today working on it, um, from stylists to videographers. Um, and everything so that's gonna be really really exciting um, and alongside that your jewelry brand um, you've got a new collection coming out um, which touches on the Windrush generation um, could you give us any exclusive info 
pause so last year I think I said like I've been more brave and tried to be authentic online hopefully don't get too much backlash but it is what it is I'll embrace my heritage in my jewelry I would never tell people or would show my face as if I was a black person because I felt people tell me if you show your heritage too much um white people won't buy from you or people don't understand you and stuff like that so I just want to embrace I wear braids and I feel like braids people have braids in different culture you know and it's about different hair strands people come together in unity and promoting positivity around different hair so I use objects like a light bulb and the ring rush one um because of my heritage I've, I've got an anchor literally an anchor and you know where the rope where the anchor goes around the the rope goes around the anchor I literally put a braid around it and to me in my journey about feeling anchored where do I find homes wherever I put my roots is that my home or if it's hostile what can I do to survive in this te- in this temporary accommodation I really think everyone has a migration story no matter if you're white Celtic whatever everyone knows someone who's migrated someone knows someone who's impacted your life has a migration story even if you say okay but I've lived here for 10 million years you know humans have been nomads people have traveled everyone has a migration story so it's really you know not to desensitize yourself from these stories of when people try to go from different places in the you know the world to get a better life we're all human we all want to better ourselves don't don't we and we all want to feel safe and we all want to feel loved and we all want to belong so why can't we just let people just belong and feel and feel safe no matter who you are black white eastern european wherever you south american wherever you you come from so that's how I did that for that one. Um, it gives a nod to the Rin Rush, but it's a general point of just, you know, finding your home and making it your home and surviving in your home and feeling anchored, safe and secure. And the way the way I saw it um, was, I think of, you know, you see the symbolism of an anchor, you think, you know, cold, harsh, metal, like sharp. There's, there's not a lot of personality and life to it. Um, and I think that also ties in, like you said, with, with some of the horrible experiences people have had traveling, migrating, you know, um, this kind of cold, sterile view of it. But then you bring in the warmth and the heritage and the culture and the beautiful individuality of people with the braids and it softens it. And I think that combination is really powerful and sends a very strong message and also talks about the positivity and the light like you said and I think it's just a really beautiful way of showing it yeah and it's just quite subtle though you know know, it's nautical it's fashionable it's you know it's something which anyone can wear you know don't discriminate so I try to make my pieces gender neutral and very inclusive so people feel that they can have it and it's come in small sizes and it comes in big sizes perfect um so yeah I think pretty sure that's everything unless you want to if you feel like there's anything you want to talk about no not really I just you know I'm very looking forward about where this brand is going to be like next year I'm very excited about where it's going I'm very excited that I had the courage and just explore more of being a conceptual artist a conceptual jeweler and storytelling that's what I love to do yeah I just want people to connect if you vibe you vibe reach out perfect so watch this space for some very exciting projects coming up between big and klg jewelry and yeah and that's all from me
Cassandra, you want to say anything? Say good, your goodbyes. <laughs> goodbye. You'll find me on www.kljewelry, British spelling.com. Um, KLG Jewelry on Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. You can find me, Cassandra Gordon. Yeah, and I've got a YouTube um, channel. So, Cassandra Lauren Gordon. So, yeah, just reach out, see what we're doing, watch this space. Cannot wait for Black History Month so we can do the docuseries. Yeah, looking forward to it. No. <laughs>